Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Muppet Christmas Carol two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. Joining us today, we have a return guest. She's been here for every movie, and she's back for this one. Guest, who are you? I'm Jessica Evans. Jessica, Jess Evans, what a thrill. Hi, Jess. <laughs> it is. It is a thrill for me. It's a thrill for me. Oh, I'm so glad. It's always fun to have you on the show. And today, <laughs> Jess is joining us to talk about minutes 31 and 32 of The Muppet Christmas Carol. In these minutes, Rizzo forgets his jelly beans and the bell tolls one. So, we pick up where we left off last time with Rizzo saying, God save my little broken body, and then jumping off the gate while he screams. It's perfect timing for once that we this did not get interrupted. We get the entire line, like at the exact beginning of this clip of, of Rizzo saying, God save my little broken body. Right. It does seem like usually on the show it would pick up with like, my little broken body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, my yeah, question for you, though, special. Anthony, um, I know that we both uh, grew up as, as regular uh, church-going uh, uh, kids. When you hear a line like this, or when you were a kid and heard a line like this, did, was are there, is there any tinge of like, hmm, I don't know, is Rizzo using God's name in vain? Here, I don't think so much because it, it feels so much like a prayer, like as a kid. I just felt like yeah. Rizzo was like was like praying for his own safety. Like he's genuinely know? saying a prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it seems so, more like a hope than than uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. Right. Yeah. All right. I agree, and it and it pays off because he's fine. It's true. God, God does, does save his save little broken body. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he gets up. Uh, Gonzo was, of course, supposed to catch him last week. Gonzo assured him he would catch him. And I love the way Gonzo cracks his neck before he shrugs and says, missed. Yeah. <laughs> Just like turns his head to the side. Ah, oh, it's great. Dave Goals, that man is a talented puppeteer. Tell you what. Yeah. yeah. And it's so funny that in this one, as, as we've said, Gonzo is both a funny guy and a straight man in this. And like things like this that are sort of somewhere in between where this is a very droll line and a very dry delivery, but it's a very funny line. It's very funny. I forgot promise to catch him. I didn't watch the whole movie right up until this. So I forgot he promised to catch you. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's right. Because (laughs) he's supposed to catch him, obviously. Right. Because Rizzo what wasn't going to do it. And then Gonzo's like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll catch you or whatever. Yeah. Something like that. Oh, that's even yeah. worse. <laughs> it is. That's, yeah. But the thing is, and, if it were Gonzo jumping off that gate, he wouldn't care if he crash landed, he would prefer to crash land. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it also, I assume that there are two Rizzo puppets here. The one that we actually see flying past the camera off the, Gate land, like just like flying down past the camera, and then the other one that pops up out of the snow must be puppeteered by Steve Whitmire. So, so you think Steve was already waiting with a Rizzo on his hand, is what you're saying? Yeah, under the frame, and then, and then another Rizzo. Fell. Yeah, sure and somebody right. just tossed or you know like dropped it from from above the oh, the right. lifeless dummy Rizzo. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and speaking of Rizzo, after this, then he realizes that he forgot his jelly beans, so he scoots back between the bars to get them. <laughs> and one, I, I just said Dave Goals was talented, but Steve Whitmire is, of course, very talented as well. And I love the little touch of Rizzo making these little struggle noises while he goes through the bars. Like he's like, ugh, ugh, <laughs> 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 the whole time, and it's it just makes it feel so much more real. Yeah. You know? Because he could just like zip through there, cartoony, and it'd be fine. That's true. But there's something about like he can squeeze through the bars, but this minor amount of effort made him want to climb over them. <laughs> right. The first time that like that like makes it so much funny. Yeah, it sells it. You know. Yeah. And then Gonzo is of course incredulous about this. You can fit through those bars. Rizzo just shrugs. And then Gonzo says, "You are such an idiot." <laughs> Which might be, I mean, I'd say, I say things are my favorite all the time on this podcast, but that's one of them. That's one of my favorite lines in this entire movie. Yeah, one of are the funniest. Kidding? Are you kidding? You both say it's your fav- funniest favorite line. You're both laughing. It's one of them. You yeah. don't think that's funny? You don't think that's funny, Jess? No. Funny. I hate that line. Why is that? It's such basic humor. Oh, you're an idiot. Like, what is, the, to me... That is, I actually was my only commentary, my only note. I can't believe that. The <laughs> irony, the irony. <laughs> that's so why you just think, me. I'm different. I'm so different from that's you. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So you just, you just think it's like, you just think it's like frat bro <laughs> kind of stuff or what? Yeah. Oh, an idiot. It's like name calling, really? Especially in a Christmas movie. <laughs> like, you're all pissed off about God save the body. And to me, like, <laughs> idiot calling him an idiot like he could have looked at that and been like oh you can fit through the bars and then there could have been like some subtle like cocked his head he's thinking oh my god he's an idiot but not to call someone an idiot in a christmas movie no (laughs) sorry charlie well here's what comes to mind i think something that makes a difference is that rizzo is not an idiot type character if this were something if this were like Beauregard or Andy and Randy from Muppets Tonight and they were doing something really stupid because those guys always say and do stupid (laughs) things and somebody called them an idiot I think that would be then it would feel like too obvious and too easy but Rizzo is not usually an idiot character so here he's just doing something that happens to be really silly and foolish Okay. So, so for me, not call a dumb person an idiot, but it's still name calling to call a normally smart person an idiot. That's true. <laughs> so, so I'll say this: my dad is a wonderful dad. He is a very wise fellow. He'll help you out with anything. He's a man of many talents. He has four sons. I'm one of them. And when we would sit around telling each other jokes that he didn't think were funny. Still, we're we're all he's he's healthy and alive. This happens still sometimes. My dad will get up after he's had enough of our foolishness. He will get up, shake his head, and say, "Idiots," and leave the room. <laughs> Why are you guys such stupid idiots? Something like that. <laughs> leave the room. This has happened my whole life often. So, when Gonzo tells Rizzo, "You are such an idiot." I absolutely hear it as fatherly affection. Oh, that is that's so sweet. Uh, well, 100%. And, 
this is a beautiful illustration and why the internet brings people together in such a human way of the reasoning of why you and I are so different. Because I grew up around people who were very critical and harsh and constantly tore me down and, and picked apart my flaws. And when I hear someone call someone an idiot, it makes my like, it doesn't have a happy nostalgic. Like that's, I love that. Like you're sitting around with your brothers and it's like Mr. Strand and the boys, right? Of course you <laughs> yes. in a nice way. I heard some harsh criticism in a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, you just put your finger on it right there. Like it's, it goes yeah. way, it, for both of you and, and for me somewhere, it goes like way deep in your psyche, the way you react to something like this. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, I guess so. the God line as a little like, oh no, like a roller slap on. Wait a right. Minute. No, that's that's a similar kind of thing where it just goes so far back. Where like my parents would sort of like shake their heads, or or when somebody you know said, oh my God, or something on a TV show, they would say, like, just so you know, we don't talk like that in our family. So there's still that little voice when I, you know, when I hear stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say, I, I do think this is funny, but I would not call somebody in my life an idiot, probably. Although now that I know this about Anthony, I might, I might affectionately call Anthony an idiot one of these days. But, <laughs> but generally, I would not do that. Well, don't call sure. me one. No, I won't. Because <laughs> I know how you feel don't about it. Just that. Yeah, there you go. Um, but also, there's just something about how loose and silly Gonzo and Rizzo are in some of these scenes, you know, that like, for a movie that, as we've discussed, is mostly like tonally pretty faithful to the book. I like that Gonzo and Rizzo can just like goof around and rag on each other. Yeah. I don't know. Agree. Um, in the context of watching the whole movie, I don't think it comes across as harsh. Like, I don't. We, I watch this movie every year with my daughter. It's not like I'm like, okay, now I'm going to turn it down when he calls him an idiot. <laughs> like <it's laughs> you got your finger on the mute button. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> when I listened to just these two minutes, it was not a lot happening and an insult. So. Right, right. This That's gag, funny. though, also reminds me of the scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit where they get handcuffed together, Roger Rabbit and Eddie Valiant. And then um, Eddie is trying to cut the the handcuffs off them with the hacksaw. And Roger just easily slips his hand out of his end of the handcuffs. And he says that he, he it's not that he could have done it any time, only when it was funny. This kind of yeah. reminds me of that. Right. Like Rizzo could have gone through the bars to get those jelly beans at any time, but he did it now because it's funny. Well, there's funny. another right. great of a movie which I enjoyed very much except for the fact that nobody seemed to appreciate how wonderful Roger Rabbit was. <laughs> oh, Jessica does? <laughs> yeah. Jessica appreciates him? Yeah, but... I mean, Jessica Rabbit, in addition to you. No, you Jessica's I... both appreciate it. Jessica Rabbit, but no, come on. No one can... Listen, in the world of credentials, the sexy rabbit is not the one, the only one that you want to not be criticizing you. Like, everyone else thinks he's a dummy. And the guy is constantly, uh, you know, criticizing him. And he was a wonderful, vibrant, enthusiastic soul. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a star. He's a movie star in the, the world of that movie. Although, you're right, the people who work with him and people in his immediate uh, surroundings are, are not... I are not like, as nice to him and, and which is not you know come on stars have to shine i'm just saying yeah. 
<laughs> awesome. Um, but so as as Rizzo protests, what? What? Uh, which I think is very. I think Steve Whitmire's delivery of that is very funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we we pan up to Scrooge's window, and then we get another one of the beautiful shots in this movie. One of the many interestingly framed shots in this movie, an overhead shot of Scrooge's bed slowly spinning around as the camera pulls back. And we, we watch this for a full 10 seconds in the movie. Huh. And then we see that it's one o'clock and Gonzo's back on narrator duty, maybe his most stressful narrator duty so far, because we see Gonzo throw a rope up and he and Rizzo climb a tree. Yeah. <laughs> they got to get up to that window. Well, it's kind of a weird little bit of business, though, because, like, he could narrate from the ground. He doesn't need to be on the. Tr- I guess he. I guess it's like so Scrooge can hear it. Yeah. I guess that's right. But yeah. does Scrooge hear them? I mean, I don't. I'm, presumably, he does, right? No, although I don't know because he seems to wake up when the clock actually chimes. Yeah. Like he. he yeah. Um. But anyways, what happens is. Oh no! Well, he said, "Don't you want to watch?" Don't they oh, say? Oh, yeah, that's true. But you want to watch, don't you? That's why they shimmy up there so they can right. see what the so they can see what's happening. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Um, so then uh, the clock chimes. There's like a little figure playing handbells. Yeah, I like those little the, those those old fashioned mechanical clocks with the little figures that move around. Those are cool. Me too. Yeah, it's cool looking. And then when the clock chimes, what I really like is we get this extreme close up of Scrooge's face. And he opens one eye and looks around. Yeah. He has only one eye open for a surprisingly long time. Again, very much horror movie stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. But what happens is not horrific because then Gonzo yells, expect the first ghost when the bell tolls one. And then the room instantly fills with light. And first of all, it almost knocks Rizzo off of his branch, which I got a question for both of you. Why does the light almost knock Rizzo off of his branch? <laughs> uh, I guess he's just so startled by it. It's it's just this blinding flash of light. Yeah, it surprises yeah. him. And so he loses track of what he's doing with his body, which is trying to cling to the tree. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But what I think is cool is we see Gonzo and Rizzo's view from outside with the bright room. And then we see Scrooge in his bedchamber, in the actual bed with the curtains drawn all around it. So we still don't see the actual light. We just see Scrooge in this very brightly lit uh, bed with curtains all around it, which is pretty cool, I think. And then he opens the curtain and the room is just pure white. It looks like the Matrix or that tune where they go to the Matrix. Or the part in Duckamuck where Daffy is in the Matrix. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Pretty cool. Just surrounded by white light. Yeah, just pure white light. Um, and then uh, what happens? Then the light forms into the ghost of Christmas past, an ethereal child. What do you think? Ryan, you probably have some notes about how they did this effect, right? Uh, I do, but I, I have them for next week, actually. Oh, okay. Well, wait, and we'll talk about that next week. Yes, but I would encourage <laughs> um, Jess to talk about the ghost of Christmas past. What do you think about the ghost of Christmas past, Jess? underwhelming <laughs> is that right yeah i mean in the clip because it's only like for a split second like you don't really get to see too much of it in the clip it just kind of ends with with the ghost it's right, not like true. 
you know what I mean? Like if you're just watching it within the confines of the minutes, I did want to go back to say about that clock. If you ever get a chance, they have a really cool one in Hershey park in the Hershey museum. That's Hmm. outside of the actual park. You know, it's like right in the parking lot there. And um, it, it, they operates every couple hours and it, when it operates, it's like a full 20 minutes of all things come out and do crazy stuff. Uh, that's cool. But, yeah. And so um, I forgot that that was there was a clock like that in this movie. I also enjoyed the clock. Huh. The first ghost yeah. I thought was underwhelming. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's not it's not my favorite thing. I do think it's pretty. I like the effect of the like flowing robes. Yeah, I think that her little like I think her little weird face is not that not really that dark fun to crystal, look at. Right, dark crystally. Oh, like it reminds yeah, you of the Gelfling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's Gelflingly, or it's there's there's like it's, it has like a very storyteller look to it. Like oh, yeah. it's easy to imagine. It's easy to imagine that puppet popping up on the storyteller. I think. I guess it's a little bit Which reminiscent I, of Death from the Soldier and Death episode of the Storyteller. Yes, very much so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that very pale face with the little eyes. Although, yeah, Death might have had big eyes. I don't remember. Yikes. I don't know. Yeah, Soldier and Death though, that's a good one. Yeah. So Karen Prell was the primary performer of the Ghost of Christmas Past, along with Rob Tigner and William Todd Jones, neither of whom I'm really familiar with. No. Um, oh. Looks like a lot of creature shop credits on right. on the wiki. But um Karen Prell does not do the voice of the Ghost of Christmas Past. And I think it would be fascinating if it, she just sounded like Red Fraggle. Like it would be so much different. <laughs> Red Fraggle with a British accent. Yeah, Red Fra- I guess that would be like, please, sir, I want some cheese, right? It, it, it would be oh, that voice. Yeah. From, from earlier in this movie. But um her voice is Jessica Fox. Uh a child actress who was nine years old when this movie came out she is still acting she has starred on the british soap opera hollyoaks since 2005 huh. what yeah Good for she's her. yeah 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 she's she's in her late 30s now and wow. um and actually uh, according to muppet wiki on the november 19th 2019 episode of hollyoaks uh a, a different character who is like her character's enemy it says her her she plays Nancy, her rival Sienna, sits down to watch Muppet Christmas Carol and remarks, the ghost of Christmas past is such a creepy child. <laughs> so, so that was a little in-joke uh, on the show Holly Oaks for yeah. fans of Jessica Fox's early career, I guess. That's fun. I, I, I think she's good here. I mean, like, the fact that that's an actual little girl, like, her performance is, it's not natural because... There's nothing naturalistic about this like weird ghost giving a lecture, but no, she, it doesn't need to be. No, but like her voice feels very, I don't know about mature, but like she f- speaks with authority in yes. a strange way that, that I don't know most child I actors. Thought do. It was adult sound trying to sound like a child. So I'm very, sure. yeah. And yeah. for the and, rest, wasn't my underwhelming response wasn't due to the acting or anything. It just, I don't know, when you see the light and everything, you think it's going to be like a ghost, and then it's a child. Which yeah. is kind of... No. <laughs> he was kind of like, what, big whoop, a kid? Like, you could tell he's still not scared. That guy yeah, is Oh, you don't think Scrooge is, is intimidated by this ghost? No, I think he had the same reaction I did. What, a kid? 
<laughs> well, he asks her. Yeah, he's he just says, "Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold?" So yeah. I don't know. I think there's a, there's there's some some wonder and awe going on, but maybe he's not actually scared of her. Exactly, of course. But I'm just saying, if that had been some like monster, he wouldn't have been like, "Oh, are you the spirit this forest told?" He would have been like, "Oh my god, the spirit's here!" You know, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I'm just right. Saying, well, it's a kid. They sent in a kid. He has so much hubris. This Scrooge. He thinks he can still get over on the ghost if she's seven years old or nine or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ah, this is oh. gonna be easier than the Marleys told yeah, me it would exactly. be. Wait, you were the spirit they said was coming? Hold on, I got this in the bag. <laughs> right, right. And and well, and since that's pretty much the end of the clip, um yeah. Scrooge asks if she's the spirit, she's all like, Oh yeah, uh yeah, yeah, totes am. And then That's exactly what she says, yes. That's exactly what she says. She totes says, am. Oh, yeah, totes <laughs> am. And then and then Scrooge <laughs> says, but and that's where we end the clip. The clip ends with Scrooge saying, but. Well, maybe that's why I'm left with this impression, because maybe she says, yes, I totally am. And he was like, but oh, I was expecting an adult, so. Right, <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and that's what, but that's a, a good segue into, into the old curiosity shop, because I wanted to, I was going to say that in the book, the Gross of Christmas Past kind of is a monster. Like, yeah. um, the, way that, the way that Dickens describes the book describes the ghost of christmas past is it was a strange figure like a child yet not so like a child as like an old man viewed through some supernatural medium which gave him the appearance of having receded from view its hair which hung about its neck and down its back was white as if with age and yet the face had not a wrinkle in it and the tenderest bloom was on the skin the arms were very long and muscular the hands the same as if its hold were of uncommon strength its legs and feet, most delicately formed, were, like those upper members, bare. It wore a tunic of the purest white, and round its waist was bound a lustrous belt, the sheen of which was beautiful. But the strangest thing about it was that from the crown of its head there sprung a, clear, a bright, clear jet of light, by which all of this was visible, and which was doubtless the occasion of its using, in its duller moments, a great extinguisher for a cap which it now held under its arm. So this is like some weird old man child with a bright light shooting out of its head and muscular arms that carries around a metal cap to extinguish the light on its own head. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Benjamin yeah. Button stuff right there. <laughs> it is Benjamin Button, you're right. Um, and the only, the only adaptation I've ever seen that really tries to do this is the 1971 Richard Williams animated short. Speaking of Roger Rabbit, the animated short from the animation director of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Richard Williams. He kind of tries to do this. He, he has like a like a weird, ethereal old man. Yeah. Ghost of Christmas Past. Yeah, most of them it's just you know, a, a little kid, though, essentially. It's like a kid or a, or just like a woman in a yeah. lot of the movies. It's, and it's actually Joel Grey, who was moderately an old man in the Patrick Stewart movie. Hmm. Um, so like he's, they're kind of trying to do this there, I think. Like, you know, he like has a white tunic on and but he doesn't have like a extinguisher cap and muscular arms. Joel Gray doesn't have muscular arms. <laughs> I don't think so. Jazz hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He has jazz hands. <laughs> I should I, I guess I should also say Muppet Show guest star, Joel Gray. Yes, yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, so I don't know. That's weird. Um, 
do we, I, but I should jump back. Do either of you have other final thoughts about these minutes uh, before we close? Jess, well, start with uh, you. so I'm not a big fan of a Christmas Carol, the story for whatever, hmm. but this version we do always watch. I have happened to have VHS tape that when my grandma died, she had all these VHS tapes that she used address labels that somebody sent her for free in the mail and put her name over, you know, uh-huh. it was one of them. It was like a clamshell. And so uh, I have like fond memories of this movie, but not the story. I'm not a fan. Yeah, sure. Love the story. Do you guys love the story? I, I do. I mean, as you can tell by the fact that I'm like, here's a long passage from the book. Yeah, uh, a, a, I like it. Thing I have done many times on this podcast. I've read the book probably four or five times in total, and and other passages many many dozens but of times. That's the book, Anthony. I said the movie. Oh like, no, I know. I, oh, I thought you asked me if I liked the story of Christmas Carol. Yeah, no. Well, I did actually. I never read it. Maybe yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. Maybe if I read it, I never liked any of the versions. Like they always made us watch it in music class growing up. And okay, <laughs> now it's. Remember, we're gonna sit and watch this dreaded movie for three seven oh. weeks. <laughs> you know? the, it was the the musical from the seventies. Probably, I don't. Probably, it's not, it's not very good. It's so. terrible. So, and then there's yeah. so going into summer vacation, they would have you watch this Christmas movie. No, no, in like December, like oh, going, oh. like winter going into Christmas vacation. Yeah, yeah going yeah, into okay. vacation. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's a good point. Maybe as you did read it very lovingly and descriptive, I can see why you're a great librarian. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, that's it. That was me. Um, I, I thought these minutes were a little bit bland, too. But I do like jelly beans, and <laughs> and I thought it was cute how they wanted to watch what was going on together. So it it was yeah. like a little bit of a buddy movie there. Um those parts the camaraderie as you point out that stand outside the story do make it feel very muppety yeah agreed ryan any final thoughts uh yeah i have a couple things and then i have some things um i don't know when we should get to this exactly uh we've gotten some some interesting comments and and feedback on past episodes from listeners i don't know if we want to fit that in before the the very closing remarks or now or i just go ahead and do them i think okay you know what we're just hanging out we're like gonzo and rizzo we're just hanging out pretty (laughs) much yeah we're all just sitting here looking in an old man's window just just (laughs) chit-chatting so um yeah but then i wanted to say too uh the the part where gonzo is standing on the branch and and says expect the first ghost when the bell tolls one i just think that's so cool like I'm pretty sure Scrooge can't hear him as we established, but like the light shines and, and Gonzo has his arms up in the air and he's standing on that branch and we get a, a quick full body shot of Gonzo. It doesn't, it's not really necessary, but I just think that's so cool. <laughs> and, and that he's screaming that yeah. line, expect the first ghost. I, I, I always look forward to that, <laughs> that shot. Expect the first ghost when the bell tolls one. Yeah, it's I awesome. Think that is, this was a theatrical release. This movie was yes, it released? It sure was. Yes. So I think those things make it really seem like a theatrical experience. And if you're watching yeah. 
home on a smaller screen and you're not really, you know, attending to it, it's easier to miss. But that's a really great point that in the theater, maybe the first ghost would have been a little more impressive. Uh, yeah, yeah, could be. The way that it was sort of intended to be seen originally, everything's on a big screen. The Yeah, yeah. you see all the details. Like how it's framed. And as Anthony said, the 10 seconds of watching the bed turn you know on a bigger screen that's even more impressive yeah right um yeah and then on that note also we talked about the scene where scrooge opens his eye that's a very tight shot on scrooge on the uh dvd commentary by brian henson he points out that michael kane is wearing a bald cap over his real hair with a wig then glued on top of the bald cap. And for that reason, oh. they tried to avoid doing a lot of close-ups of Scrooge's face because they didn't want us to see, you know, the seams where the, the bald cap met his real face, met the, the seams of the wig that were glued on. But mm -hmm. this one is, this one is such a close-up that I don't think we even see any of his hair, maybe even. Yeah. We don't see his hairline at all. Plus, isn't he wearing a nightcap? He is, yes. Like, okay, so Michael Caine <laughs> wearing a bald cap on his hair with a wig on top of that with a nightcap on top of that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Right. far out. Absolutely. And it's funny because Michael Caine was in Inception and this is just like Inception. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. It's it's hairception. Caneception. <laughs> Inception. There you go. Um, so yes, I don't know. We, this is like not exactly a mailbag segment because none of these came in uh, via email, but um, just a few interesting things that listeners have uh, have pointed out. Uh, our friend Shane reminded us of a video uh, that is on YouTube called 1200 Ghosts. I don't think we've talked about this yet. Uh, somebody took dozens or hundreds maybe of adaptations of A Christmas Carol and cut them all together. I, I I believe it's 400 total, and, th and that's why it's 1,200 ghosts. That makes a lot of sense. 400 adaptations. It may, yeah, it, yeah, or it might be 300 adaptations, and and Marley is the is the fourth ghost. I'm not sure, but oh right, yeah, okay. It's either it's either it's either three or 400. I, I I've never watched it. I have to admit, I always kind of mean to every year, and then I haven't gotten around. Yeah, but it's so impressive. It has excerpts from from this one. It has you know all the movies, all the musicals, all the cartoons, all the sitcom episodes that riff on this story and just all cut together in chronological order to retell a Christmas Carol. Very cool. Look for it on YouTube. Um, in a previous episode, I tried to figure out how much Rizzo's apples would cost in today's money and compared that to the rate of inflation. Uh, our friend Eric noted that I did not take into account decimalization. Uh, there's a very good reason I did not take this into account. And that's because I had never heard of it before, but Eric told us, in Dickens' time, there were 12 pence to a shilling and 20 shillings to the pound, so there were 240 pence in a pound. In 1971, the UK decimalized, so now there are 100 pence in a pound, though still 20 shillings, so only 5 pence to the shilling, which means that the price of an apple has gone up 4,700%. So, for all you economics <laughs> nerds out there, uh, that, that all should those, be fascinating. All those, 
all those people who meant to listen to Planet Money and accidentally <laughs> listened to us instead. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then Tough Pigs Forum member, and I'm probably going to pronounce this, this name wrong, Daibid or, or Daibid, um, added to that that Gonzo and Rizzo's apples are probably overpriced anyway, uh, because according to London Labor and the London Poor by Dickens' contemporary and occasional co-worker Henry Mayhew, Fruit stalls sold apples in penny or half penny worths. And somewhere he describes a penny worth as being six apples. So Rizzo has already increased the price by possibly uh, 1,200% by charging as much as he mm -hmm. does for apples. And as long as we're talking about corrections, uh, that, that same listener, Daibid, and please let us know how to pronounce your name uh, for future reference. Yes, we'll issue another correction about how to pronounce your name. Yes. Also pointed out that in an earlier episode, I said that character actor Roger Rees played uh, Bob Cratchit in the 1999 Christmas Carol. He did not. He played Nephew Fred in the 1984 Christmas Carol. Mm. His fellow frequent movie villain, Richard E. Grant, played Bob Cratchit in the 1999 A Christmas Carol. It and was I knew that. And I should not have. one that was bad. No, then then you're... Uh, then, no. Let me, let me be diplomatic. Then we did... Then we disagree strongly because that's my favorite version of a Christmas. That's a good one. Okay, okay. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Was it? Was it a musical? You said you said you I watched it in music it was, class. But I think it was a music class. Yeah. yeah. So that's 1970. That's oh. the one with Albert Finney. Okay. 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 Right. It, does he go to hell in it? If he goes to hell, it's Albert Finney. I, I think he goes to hell. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it feels right. Seems right. I don't know but, that. That sounds. Yeah, I, I should. I should. I should watch all of these, really. But that sounds like one I should add to my list. You should, but yeah, I got. I got one British character actor who's in one version of a Christmas Carol confused with a different British character actor who's in a different version of a Christmas Carol, and I do feel bad. I should not have made that mistake. I should have known better. Um, I don't think you need to make an apology, but I'm glad that uh, <laughs> that that we got set straight on that one. Ryan, the yeah. one going to hell seems at least as sacrilegious as god save my broken <laughs> well i don't know i mean does it does it show like this is what happens to to people who are mean like scrooge oh. <laughs> i think that's probably the lesson isn't it i guess Am i don't i can't yeah. think of any other versions that shows scrooge going to hell although actually yeah. i feel like there's a reference to hell and the devil in the bugs bunny version i was just gonna say that i love when bugs bunny goes to hell <laughs> i only did look that bad down there especially if bugs bunny was gonna be there. well it's the tv special where where they, they do it with yosemite sam as scrooge and i think there's a scene where where yeah. bugs is telling him something about you'll be going to join the man in the red suit. And Yosemite <laughs> Sam is like, uh, Santa Claus? And he says, no, the other guy in the red suit. And he's pointing down. That's where you're oh. going. Yeah. Oh, yep, yep, yep. I remember that. Um, But yeah, when, when Albert Phineas Scrooge goes to hell, he sees Jacob Marley there. So Ooh. it's mm. just... And, and and this I'm sure of. Jacob Marley is Alec Guinness in that movie, so it's just hmm. kind of an excuse to 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 get more Alec Guinness time. Does he see Yosemite Sam there? He does not. <laughs> although, although, what if Alec Guinness played Yosemite Sam? What, how do you he think could do would? it. 
He could. He, he was incredible. That, that he guy could do anything. He could do, he could do anything. He had incredible range. <laughs> yeah. Um, all accordion and bagpipe players down there. <laughs> is that a Far Side cartoon? Yes, my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, then a few listeners also pointed it out to us. Uh, we've talked about Scrooge's occupation being a money lender in this movie, but a few people have pointed out to us that his his occupation is never specifically stated in the book. So that's another interesting point. Right. And finally, uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the name Ebenezer and the fact that you don't hear it much these days, if in fact you ever heard it much as a name. Um, uh, listener, regular listener Craig Fairhurst, who's always very good about commenting on our Facebook posts, informed us that the name Ebenezer means stone of help. And he noted that it's found in the Bible and it's also in an old hymn called Come Thou Font of Every Blessing, which I definitely remember singing in church and noticing that the word Ebenezer was in there and wondering why, like, Scrooge's name was in this church hymn. But uh, yeah, he, he's pointed out that this book when the Charles Dickens book came out that pretty much ensured that everyone would only ever associate the the name and the word Ebenezer with Scrooge but then that reminded me just as a side note that there was a children's puppet show on Nickelodeon in the early days of Nickelodeon called Pinwheel they had a a character named Ebenezer he was this kind of kind of Oscar the Grouchy puppet, this this green uh, guy who was cranky all the time. His name was Ebenezer. So there there are ab- other Ebenezers out there, in, in fiction at least. Yes, Ebenezer T. Squint was that character's name. <laughs> there you go. See, I didn't think to look up his last name. Ebenezer T. Squint, that's great. Sure. There's I little, um that Scrooge was like a mortgage lender. Not a money lender, but like a you know, like um, in It's a Wonderful Life, the bad guy. Mr. Potter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, well, is there a difference? In this, in this movie, yeah. well, in this movie, it sure seems like he is, right? Like, he charges yeah. folks a fortune for his dark and drafty houses. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's what he does. Yeah, there's a difference. If you're a money lender, you're just giving money. If you're, what that does, it also has that underhanded slumlord element to it. It doesn't. Right. Right, but that's but that's just in this movie. Like that's not in the book. Well, I didn't read the they book. Talk, they don't, <laughs> you talk about mortgages in the book. Um, well, now you got to go read the book. You didn't know you were going to have homework coming out of this podcast. And and speaking of speaking of the book, the one thing that I forgot to say that I meant to say is at one point, Gonzo says Scrooge slipped into the empty silence of a dreamless sleep. That's Jerry Jewell. That's not in the book at all. Wow. So that's another one. That's yeah. yet another one. Huh. Yeah. So Jess, before we go, you've you've talked about this a little bit already, oh. but uh you you talked about how you, you watch try to watch this every year. Uh you you said you didn't see it in the theater, but you remember watching it on VHS, right? Is it, so yep. the first time you saw it was on tape? Yep. And so then final the final question is where would you rank it among the Muppet movies? Four. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what are your top three? Wait. Uh, five. Okay, well, what's ab- what's above it? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Six, no seven. <laughs> All the Muppet movies. No, um, you know, um, it's a holiday movie, so it has to stand a little bit outside of 
I liked all the original Muppet movies the best, of course. The Muppet movie. And then, the, and then I did like the Muppets Most Wanted and the Muppets, those Muppet movies. You know, they don't have the nostalgia factor of the older characters, but I have a lot of good feelings and goodwill toward them. So, I don't know. Where do you put sure. a hot movie in with with movies that are meant to stand on their own outside of a season? Sure. No, uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that brings us down to the end for now. Uh, listeners, you can always find Tough Pigs on toughpigs.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all over the place. You can follow us on Patreon. You can become a patron, rather, on Patreon. If you want to give us a little bit of financial support, we would, of course, appreciate that greatly. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. You can follow Ryan on Letterboxd at Movies Are Neat. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Zeppo Marxist. Jess, where can our listeners find you and or your work online? Well, on, of course, the Tough Pigs forum, where I just want to point out, if people become patrons, they can buy you a drink for your 21st birthday, right? Isn't this the 21st? Anniversary uh, this year, yeah, yeah. This, this year, we just passed the twenty-first anniversary of the Tough Pigs website. Yes, it's kind of crazy and very and kudos to everyone who's been a part of that. It's been a great thing, and pretty soon you'll be able to find me online at at One True Gigi. Just what is as, that? As it sounds, and you can go to my LinkedIn or go to any of those accounts at One. O N E true T R U E G G G I G I my nickname in French class and that's all I can tell right now because it's coming soon to Belmar, New Jersey. An exciting tease! Yeah. Thank you. All right. So, Jess, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to to chat with you. And listeners, thank you again for joining us. We will be back next week with another episode of Moving Right Along. See you then. I feel like Ryan should call you an idiot just to be f- yeah. I, I was actually about to. Oh. Yeah. We're still Do recording. It. Yeah, you hold on, hold on. You are such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs>